Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. A couple of days back, I was chatting with a fellow hobbyist who wanted to jump into something a bit different within the aquarium hobby. He wanted to do something totally crazy and out there. I'm not going to share it with you because I wanted to keep, he wanted to keep it kind of quiet. So I, get, I respect that. But the point is, he was afraid of the possible consequences, both socially and in his aquariums, if he, you know, and, and what would happen. And he feared criticism from them, whoever them or they is, and it just kind of froze him. I felt bad that he was so afraid of criticism from others that he should question the status quo within the hobby. It was kind of strange. Uh, and I and he asked me, how do you kind of overcome this, Scott? What, you know, you've kind of bucked the uh, convention over the years and, and managed to uh, just not let it bother you. What do you do? So I thought, you know, I, I kind of told him my story and perhaps my story might be helpful to you. Maybe you're afraid of these kind of things. A lot of people seem to be. So I'll just give you a little, you know, brief uh, summary of my little story of the last couple decades or so. Now, for generations, we've been told in the aquarium hobby that we need to be concerned about the appearance of all kinds of stuff in our tanks, like algae, detritus, and what they used to call biocover, which we call biofilm or whatever. For some strange reason, uh, we as a hobby group seem to emphasize stuff like understanding some biological processes, which is good, the nitrogen cycle and stuff like that. But we've also been told to devote a lot of resources to siphoning, polishing, and scrubbing our tanks to almost near sterility, removing stuff like biocover or biofilm, whatever you want to call it. It's this weird dichotomy. And I remember the first few botanical style tanks I created almost two decades ago now. They'd hit that phase where you know, early on where the biofilms and the fungal growth started to appear, and I hear my friends telling me, yep, your tank's going to turn into a real big pile of shit that told you that you can't put that stuff in there. It, it was, again, it was like they were, they were sort of reiterating the, the common refrain of, oh, don't do that, it's against the grain. Because that's what they've been told. The prevailing mindset in the hobby at the time was that the appearance of these things was an indication of an unsuitable environment. Now, anybody who's ever studied basic ecology and biology and, you know, did a little research beyond just what you see in the, the tropical fish world, understands the complete opposite is true. The appearance of these very valuable life forms is an indicator that your aquatic environment is ideal to foster a healthy, diverse community of aquatic organisms, including, of course, fishes, exactly like in nature. And I remember telling myself that this is what I knew was going to happen. I knew how biofilms and fungal growths appear on undefended surfaces and that they're essentially harmless life forms exploiting a favorable environment. I knew this because I went beyond the aquarium literature. I studied uh, ecology of, na of natural ecosystems. I looked at photos of the underwater world. I read college textbooks. You know, I read some of my old marine biology textbooks. I knew that fungi appear, and, and when they appear, they help break down leaves and botanicals. I knew that these are perfectly natural occurrences and that they typically are often, typically but not always, transitory or at least self-limiting to some extent. 
and it's totally normal for this type of aquarium approach that I was playing with, what we now call botanical style. I knew that they'd go away over time or at least subside or maybe I'd get used to them, but I also knew there'd be a period of time when the tank might look like a big old pool of slimy shit, or rather it would look like a big old pool of slimy shit to those who weren't familiar with these life forms, how they grow, and how natural aquatic habitats that we love so much actually function and appear. So I didn't freak out. And to reassure myself, I'd stare for hours at underwater photos taken in the Amazon region showing decaying leaves, biofilm, and fungi all over the leaf litter. I'd read studies by researchers like Henriksen and Walker detailing the dynamics of leaf litter zones and how you know, productive and how unique they were. I'd pour over my water quality tests, you know, confirming to myself that everything was okay, and it always was. And of course, I would watch my fishes for any signs of distress. I never saw them. I knew that there wouldn't be any issues because I created my aquariums with a solid embrace of basic aquatic biology and understanding that an aquarium is not some sort of underwater art installation, but rather that it's a living, breathing microcosm of organisms which work together to create a biome and that the appearance of the aquarium only tells a small part of the story. And I think that's something that's carried me through many of my experiments over the years, particularly recently when I went on to sort of start tannin aquatics in the last five or six years or so, uh, there were a lot of questions about that stuff. But I always knew that this type of aquatic habitat could be replicated in the aquarium successfully. That gave me a great deal of strength and comfort. I realized that it would be something that would require trial and error and acceptance in the, you know, that the aquariums I would create would look fundamentally different than anything I'd experienced before, anything I'd seen conventionally in the hobby before. And that was okay. I knew I might face criticism, scrutiny, and even downright condemnation from some quarters for daring to do something different. And then for labeling what most people found totally distasteful or have been conditioned by the hobby for generations to fear simply as a routine part of the process. That's what happens when you venture, you know, out into areas of the hobby, which are a bit untested areas, which also embrace ideas, aesthetics, practices, and occurrence, which in occurrences, which have existed far out of the mainstream consciousness of the hobby for so long. Fears develop, naysayers emerge, and warnings are given. Yet all this stuff, all of it, is completely normal. It's well understood and documented by science and in reality comprises the aquatic habitats which are so successful and beneficial for fishes in both nature and, yes, the aquarium. We as a hobby have made scant little effort over the years to really understand it. And once you commit yourself to studying, understanding, and embracing life on a variety of levels, the world of natural botanical style aquariums and its untapped potential just opens up to you. Mental shifts are required, along with patience, time, and a willingness to look beyond hobby forums, aquarium literature, an aquascaping contest for your information. A desire to sort of roll up your sleeves, get in there, ignore the naysayers, and just do. You get that strength by knowing that what you're doing Maybe it won't be successful, maybe it will, but you understand there's a model for it and there's a potential to do it and you've figured it out. You go in with your eyes wide open. Don't be afraid of things because they look different or somehow contrary to what you've heard or been told by others and uh, people tell you something's not healthy or somehow dangerous. Now, sure, you, you can't disobey natural laws like the nitrogen cycle or understanding how the pH dynamic works, stuff like that. You can, however, question things you've been told to avoid based on superficial explanations based upon aesthetics. Mental shifts here. Stuff that makes you want to understand how life forms such as fungi, for example, arise, multiply, and contribute to the biome of your aquarium. Let's just think about fungi for a minute, just because that's a classic example. That's one of the things that freaks people out, fungi and biofilms. 
fungi is like the poster child for the new way of embracing nature as it is in our aquariums. Now, fungi reproduce by releasing little tiny spores that then germinate on new and hospital surfaces, uh, you know, pretty much anywhere they damn well please. These aquatic fungi are involved in the decay of wood and leafy material. And of course, when you submerge terrestrial materials in water, growths of fungi tend to arise. Anyone who's ever cured a piece of wood for your aquarium can attest to this. Fungi tend to colonize wood because it offers them a lot of surface area to thrive and live out their life cycle. And cellulose, hemocellulose, and lignin, the major components of wood and botanical materials, are degraded by fungi, which possess enzymes that digest these materials. Fungi are regarded by biologists to be the dominant organisms associated with decaying leaves and streams, so this gives you some idea as to why we see them in our aquariums, right? And of course, fishes and invertebrates which live among and, amongst and feed directly among the fungi, or upon the fungi, excuse me, and all that decomposing stuff, contribute to the breakdown of these materials as well. So aquatic fungi can break down the leaf matrix and make the energy available to feeding animals in these habitats. And there was a little gem I found a few years back in my research that really kind of hit it. That was really interesting. I'm going to dig it up and read it to you. Uh, there is evidence that detritivores selectively feed on conditioned leaves, i.e. those previously colonized by fungi. <laughs> fungi can alter the food quality and palatability of leaf detritus, affecting shredder growth rates. Shredders are fishes or, uh, or other animals that do what that's, that implies. They shred. Animals that feed on a diet rich in fungi have higher growth rates and fecundity than those on poorly conditioned leaves. Some shredders prefer to feed on leaves that are colonized by fungi, where others consume fungal mycelium selectively, just the fungi themselves. So conditioned leaves in this context are those which have been previously colonized by fungi. So what they do is they make the energy within the leaves and the botanical materials available to higher organisms like fishes and invertebrates. The aquatic fungi, which typically will decompose leaf litter and wood, are in a group known as aquatic hyphomycetes. Uh, it's another group of specialists called aeroaquatic hyphomycetes, which colonize submerged plant detritus in stagnant and slow-flowing water, like shallow ponds, flooded forest areas, and you know puddles. Now, fungal communities differ between various environments, like streams and shallow lakes and wetlands and all kinds of stuff. And we see them in their own tanks all the time, don't we? Well, sure, it's easy to get scared by this stuff, and surprisingly, it's even easier to exploit it as a food source for your animals. We just have to make that mental shift. As the expression goes, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Again, I knew that when I started tan, and I had to walk the walk. I had to explain by showing my tanks my work and giving my fellow hobbyists the information, the advice, supported by what they need, uh, you know, information-wise, in order to confidently set out on their own forays into this hobby path. It was something I decided to do. Anybody that goes against conventional hobby wisdom sort of has to take that kind of approach. Now, I'm no hero. I'm not trying to portray myself as some sort of visionary. The point of sharing my experience is to show you that trying new stuff in the hobby does carry risk. It carries fear and it carries challenge, but you can and will persevere if you believe, if you push through, if you don't fear setbacks, issues, and criticisms from naysayers. It comes with the territory. You have to try. In my case, the idea of throwing various botanical items in aquariums, it's not my invention. It's not a totally new thing. People have been doing what I've done before for probably generations. Maybe not as obsessively or thoroughly presented, and maybe they haven't built a business around the idea, but it's been done many, many times. The fact is we can and should all take these kinds of journeys, journeys that may take us into areas of the hobby that we never even thought of. I still am taken into different areas every time I try things, and it's fun to see fellow hobbyists sort of making these same discoveries 
after trying, you know, botanical style aquariums and making those same observations and discoveries that I did back all those years ago and having those aha moments. It's pretty incredible, actually. So my advice to you, to, to, the, to this guy, to anybody that's asking, stay the course. Don't be afraid. Open up your mind. Study what's happening. Draw parallels to the natural aquatic ecosystems of the world. Look at this evolution process with wonder and awe and, yeah, courage. And know that that pile of decomposing leaves, fungal growth, and detritus that you're looking at now is just a stepping stone on a journey to an aquarium which truly embraces nature in every conceivable way. Stay brave. Stay curious. Stay diligent. Stay persistent. Stay observant. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Bellman from Tenant Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.